For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it was a wild end of the summer for the Blue Jays. What was it like seeing Paul Beeson down the stretch, knowing this was his last year? How how was he around the team and the whole environment? Well, he was enjoying it. You know, they were in first place. It was uh, certainly exciting baseball. They were down 2 nothing against Texas and then came back, tied it up, and won the bat flip game. And then they were down 3-1 to to Kansas City, and they came back and won the first one. And... I would say uh, first and third, nobody out. You you should be able to have a 9-1-2 and two coming up. You should be able to get a ball in play. They didn't get a ball in play until it was two out. Uh, Navarro struck out, Rivera struck out, and then Donaldson grounded out. But, uh, the, you know, that whole line about uh, there's a strikeout's the same as a, an out, is, I don't believe that. I mean, they get a fly ball there, and Navarro hits a fly ball. They head to extras, and who knows what happens. Do you have any examples or stories about Beeston during the playoff stretch? Um, or even Anthopolis? No, he was, uh, he was, uh, Beeson is a very, uh, he's not like Steinbrenner or, uh, he's kind of like Bronfman when I covered the Expos. He's not around that much. Spring training, he's there once a year and for their banquet, their end of the season banquet. And he's there every, every night, but he rolls in like, I don't know, bottom of the first as soon as he gets off the phone or whatever. And then, uh, he sits. They, uh, he, he and Howard Starkman. They sit in a bunker like uh, Harold Ballard and King Clancy. And <laughs> they, uh, you know, sometimes Cito Gasson's in there. Sometimes Devon White or George Bell. Or sometimes it's just the two of them. But no, I don't have. Uh, I, I did see him, and uh, he was on the road both in Arlington and Kansas City. He saw me, and he turned to this guy from New York, from the New York Post, and he said, "Hey, uh, George King." He said, "George, why don't you come back on the charter with us?" You know, this is after game uh, after game two, and George said, "Are you nuts? I got to go and write." <laughs> and Beeson says, oh, "Well, that's why I asked you. I know you couldn't come." And uh, to bother Elliot, he could see me coming. You know, he knew I would hear him ask. But uh, the, the writers haven't read, haven't been on the charters, I think, since whatever Tim Johnson's last year was, whatever year that was, ninety-eight, ninety-nine. Clements is Clements' first year here. Yeah. I just want to ask you, what's the one thing you remember about? This 2015 season. I don't know. One thing, man. That's a that's a tough one. I think I think I guess. I mean, the easy one would be to say the bat flip or something. I just think the enthusiasm around the park. You know, like a couple of times I went down to meet people that were here from Kingston. Another buddy from Kitchener was here, and I went outside. You know, half an hour before first pitch, where I am not usually I'm not usually there, and. You know, everybody's dressed in blue, and, you know, the enthusiasm and the excitement, uh, I hadn't really hadn't... It wasn't like that in 92. It wasn't like that in 93. It wasn't like that in 1985. It, and it was such a young crowd. It was... Uh, 
I think that would be the thing because I mean, when they moved into the Sky Dome in in '89 in June, there was a story. I think it was in the Star that their average age of the fans was 52 or 54 or something like that. There's no way. The average age now is probably about 28. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think that would be the one memory because that's so sustainable. Whereas Batista's was one at bat or uh, Donaldson's walk offs were one at you know one at bat here, one at bat there. When you were uh, watching that seventh inning, given everything, the events that happened, what was your first impression when they had the torched call at the top half of the inning? And uh, Have you ever seen Blue Jay fans react like that with such force uh, between throwing stuff on the field and the heavy booing and things of that nature? Have you ever... Have you ever seen anything like that happen in the Sky Dome before? No, I've never seen anything like that before. I was thinking of that line, uh, stay classy San Diego, you know? like uh, <laughs> We really yeah. didn't look too good, I don't think, if you were watching, sitting on your chair in, um, I don't know, San Francisco or Omaha, Nebraska or someplace. You would, what are these guys? It was like a soccer crowd or something. They were mm-hmm. looking at somebody just got a red card, I think, or a yellow, whatever. They they were so irate. The conspiracy theory was that Bannister was the catching coach with Pittsburgh last year, and Martin was there last year. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people thought, well, maybe Bannister picked that up. That Martin dropped to one knee, and then he threw it after he looked the runner back to third. And Cho has this habit of t- using his left hand to tug on his uh, right elbow and sticking the bat out. But uh, I talked to Martin about it, and Martin said he was never warned about it, and he's never had it happen once. And you know, it's not like it'd be like something like the the yips and throw the ball over the pitcher's head with a mid guy on third. Who was that? Oh, Dale Murphy, and they moved him to center field, and you know he won the MVP back to back years. There was, there was never any warnings or anything like that, according to Martin. But the, there was a lot of venom in the park. Uh, that's you know, and then whatever it was, 25 minutes later. Oh, the part I enjoyed was later with Sam Dice ripping everybody, uh, the guy that gave up the home run, and he says, you know, the, the Batista's an idiot, and Encarnacion's <laughs> an idiot. Like, I mean, there's two bench clearing brawls, and why are there brawls? Or why they weren't brawls? Why did the benches empty? That emptied because he came down and yelled at Encarnacion, mm-hmm. who, he, who was trying to, at least my, from my vantage point, was trying to tell the people to shut up yeah. and quit throwing stuff. And then he goes and whacks Tulowitzki on the, on the bum. Oh, I'd never seen that before ever. And then he surprised that Tulowitzki says, get your hands off me. <laughs> it really just sounded like everyone in the crowd just had one too many bad sodas, eh, Bob? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of beer and pandemonium and all that, what was going on in Baltimore, Bob, when Batista and they were, them were pouring beer on your head and everything? I saw a couple pictures floating around. No, that wasn't in Baltimore. That was here. That was the day they clinched. The playoff spot, no? The playoff spot on the Saturday, and I was talking to Martin, and they're acting like a bunch of five-year-olds, and Martin <laughs> Martin says, what's the big deal? I said, I don't know. He said, do you need me? And I said, no, I don't need you. And he said, well, I'm out of here, and he, he was gone like five minutes after the doors opened, and so then Hawkins was there, Latroy Hawkins. I said, how many of these have you been through? And so he figured it up, and it was 11. And I think I, when I got upstairs, I figured out Martin had been through like seven or eight. But usually it's like when you win to go on or, you know, you win the, the division. Well, these guys, all they'd done is clinch the second wild card, which they actually did before they got on the field. And they didn't even cover the lockers because there wasn't going to be any celebration. But they just... <laughs> They just went crazy. So so Hawkins says, uh, they, they must have got you wet a lot of times. I said, no. I said, I never really got wet in 92 or 93 or 87 or 85 or 89. I said, but I was standing in Baltimore in, 80, in 96, and Jimmy Key came up, 
And uh, I said, you got a second? He said, yeah, just a second. And then he came up and he said, who's that over there? And I turned and he stuck the neck of the champagne bottle down my back with the thumb on it. And then he took the top off, uh, his, his thumb off it. And, uh, and the cold champagne went right down my back. That's the only time anybody ever got me. So anyways, I was talking to Saunders five minutes later and then Edwin comes up and Encarnacion comes up and he asked me something. And then all of a sudden it was Edwin and Batista and the Japanese guy, the TV guy from Japan, showed me this thing. He videotaped it. And Kawasaki was in there. The team mascot? Yeah, the mascot. And then <laughs> uh, Pilar told me in Baltimore, he said he, he said he was in on it, which I didn't even see him. But So I get out into the hallway, and somebody flipped a towel at me. And I when I, I look up, and here's who's looking at me but Hawkins. I said, that was you. And he said, no, 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 it wasn't. So we got to Baltimore, and he bought me a poncho. Like the yeah, yeah. So <laughs> like a would, but I went to the Orioles room first, so I didn't get wet. <laughs> other than uh, Joe Carr's big home run and win the World Series, any other bigger uh, moments than uh, like bigger moments that Batista had? Still think uh, Alomar's home run in '92, which put them up three to one, a game within the World Series on the. Saturday on the Thanksgiving weekend when when we were in Oakland and you know when he threw his arms up in the air and all it did was tie the game but they won it in extras. Uh, I think I think that's more important. You know that was they'd always been you know with '85 uh, they lost the final seven games of '87, '89, '91 uh, they lost. So th this is this was this one finally got them over the hump and I think that's the. Well, the previous regime, this is the only stadium in baseball that doesn't have a... They have a statue outside, but it's uh, of a businessman. So they were supposed to put Alomar's picture out there, or a statue outside with his arms in the air uh, after he hit the home run for the 40th anniversary next year. But I don't know whether that will continue under the new regime. But uh, I would say Alomar's would be second to Carter's and then... Uh, and then I guess Batista's because I won it. And then I probably I think Sprague's in game two, a pinch hit home run off Reardon because they would have come home from Atlanta down uh, 2 nothing instead. They come home tied 1-1. Yeah. You sound pretty close with Russell Martin and Saunders and all the Canadian guys. Uh, what was it like for them being at home, kind of at home in Canada here, seeing the country not only come together but playing for their country in a sense? Saunders, uh, he, uh, he, I was surprised he'd never ever won anything. So he was not even in the minors. So he was, he was very into it. And uh, Martin, that first celebration, he wasn't into. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Martin was certainly into it one bit. Remember, because they scored the lead run after he hit he, the ball, after he hit Cho on the throwback to the pitcher. Yep. But when Batista hit the home run, uh, I don't think anybody in the like he was happier than anybody in the 200, the 500, or anybody. Uh, Martin was the, the most, you know, because what a what a way that would have been to have lost. Yeah, it would have been horrendous for him, especially being Canadian. Yeah. Is there any other stories that really stood out to you from this playoff run at all that you could share? Asuna, Asuna, somebody made him a poncho. And it was uh, it was Blue Jay colors, and it had the the Mexican f flag on it. <laughs> so I don't know. It wound up being in his locker, and I think they put his name on it. And he came over and thanked me for it. Like I had nothing to do with it. I don't know where he. You know, like kids, they get. He's only twenty. I don't know if he. Somebody might say, "Oh, it came from that guy over there." And there's like. 
200 people in the room, and he thought it was me. But uh, I don't. He, I said, no, no, I didn't send it to you. And then he thanked me again when he got to Kansas City. I said, I didn't. I didn't have anything to do with it. You know. <laughs> what about Stroman? He was. Uh, he seemed pretty excited after everything he did this playoff run. <laughs> yeah, Stroman. Uh, Stroman. I don't think Stroman's ever had a bad day at the ballpark. I mean, obviously he did in spring training when he blew uh, tore the ACL, but he. Uh, he uh, he'd be their number one going into next year, and uh, he's a guy that I think they can count on. You know, uh, there, there used to be a thing, there used to be a saying in baseball: you don't don't trust the short right-hander. Well, he's uh, he's the exception to the rule. Or you <laughs> don't lefties. don't depend on a short right-hander because they, they don't really last. Well, I'm kind of surprised you said he'd be the number one hitting in the next year. So I get the vibe this off season's going to be rather quiet. I think if they're going to cut their payroll. I think not by a lot, but uh, you know maybe fifteen million or something. I don't think. I think Stroman's Stroman's their guy. I think. So I guess that would put them at like what one hundred and thirty mil next year. Hundred. Uh, I've seen Davidi say one hundred forty. Right, and I think they started at one hundred twenty-five and they finished at one hundred thirty-nine. I think I don't have it in front of me, but uh, they'd probably be probably be down about ten or fifteen from that. I'm just going off the top. I don't think I, I know. I heard earlier on the fan that it was going to go to 100. I don't think that's right. And yeah, then I heard said that. somewhere else that it was going to be uh, stay exactly the same. Well, that's not right. It's I'm, I've been told it's going to. But the thing is, here's the thing: we're not going to know until July 31st. Like, like I mean, they had the reason he was able to pull off all those moves was because he he sandbagged on his money. You know, he didn't spend it. And I mean, Reyes Tulowitzki was a wash. They actually saved money, but they added seven million on price. They added—I uh, think they only spent a hundred thousand on Revere. Uh, Philly paid most of it, and then uh, Mark Lowe—he was making seven fifty, so they paid one third of that. That's nothing for a major league team. And who else did they add? Who am I missing? Tulowitzki, Price, Lowe, Revere. They had Hawkins too. Uh, yeah, Hawkins. I think Hawkins was like two point five or something. So one third of that. And then Pennington was cheap when they picked him up. Yeah, uh, the guy they got from the Cubs at the last minute. Yeah, oh, Darwin Burns. Uh, Darwin Burns. What was it like seeing him pitching a game? Pennington, the only guy ever to throw ninety miles an hour positional player on the mound. Yeah, that was uh, that was not a proud moment in franchise. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's knuckleball. It's it's like very very good or very very bad, and it was it was terrible that day. So. If you're the GM of this team going into this offseason, how would you turn this team into a World Series caliber team? Well, I'd sign, I'd, I'd resign David Price, but I don't think they're, I don't think they've got the money to do that. I'm pretty surprised they're not going to yeah. spend at all to go sign a Price. Well, they, uh, the thing is, they made uh, what was the number Simmons said? Was it 48 or 52 million or something like what they had in added revenue from uh, August, September, and October? And that's not counting next year. But so, you know, a lot of people have said, that the number is bang on, but a lot of people have said, well, that gives them more money to carry over in the next year. But somebody explained it to me, the way it works in a publicly traded company is that, okay, there's a $50, $50 million windfall for this year. Fine, perfect. That goes back to the shareholders. There's no carryover here. Wow, I didn't know that at all. Yeah. That's 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 what uh, wiser guys than I. I mean, I'm I don't know. I would I would probably uh, I can't do my expense account, but that, this is what uh, this is what an accountant told me. He said he said people the people that are writing the, the and saying that, that they can take the money and flop it into next year, 
that's not the way it works. They can spend more money on their budget, but they have to give that to the shareholders because it's publicly traded. And, you know, there's a guy in Vancouver and there's a guy down east and there's a bunch of people in Toronto. They've all got shares. They want money. They want return on their dividend, you know, and the Rogers, whatever the initials on the stock market is, you know. So how does Tony LaCava fit into all this then? I mean, it's got to be tough for him to manage, I guess, inter-manage his team with tight funds like that. And I saw today you said that uh, Ross Atkins was a possible candidate as well. He's been with Cleveland for, what, 15 years now? Yeah, he's been there quite a while. And uh, and the other guy is uh, Josh Burns, who's a possibility. But uh, I think Shapiro is very smart. Uh, the press conference, he came in and he said... Uh, you know, Gibbons is saying the coaches are saying, and Lacava's uh, the interim general manager. And uh, I sent Lacava a note. I was I was still in New York, but I sent him a note. Uh, I, did you Did you see a picture of him? The sweater he was wearing? No, I didn't see it. Uh, he had a he had a pullover. It looked like he didn't have a sports coat on or anything. I said, I hope that sweater's interim. You know. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? Uh, ha ha. You know, <laughs> uh, I've known him since '99. He used to scout for the Expos. Yep. He uh, he used to come. Uh, I remember I met him. He was down at that place in Etobicoke. He was looking at Thorman, Scott Thorman, who went in the first round of the Braves. Lacava's kind of been Anthopolis's right hand man for a while. With him kind of scouting guys like Sanchez, Osuna, and even Hendricks, could you see them converting one of them into a starter next year? Well, Tinnish, Tinnish is the one, Andrew Tinnish is the one who drafted Sanchez, Syndergaard, and those guys. But Tony certainly deserves the credit for uh, he was involved in Hendricks, like when they signed him as a. Uh, and uh, who, who was the third guy you mentioned? Hendricks, Sanchez, and Osuna. Osuna, he he was involved in that, but Ismael Cruz was the, the main guy. Um, yeah, I can see them. It's a strange thing is Sanchez wants to start and Osuna does not. So uh, really. Well, yeah. I mean, the money—if you're gonna—if you're trying to make any money, it's as a starter. I don't blame Sanchez for wanting to be a starter, and they—they certainly—they uh, certainly have a need. But uh, Osuna is a strange one. He wants to stay at the back end. He wants to be a closer. Did he say why? Uh, just because he likes it. You know. I, I mean, you know. I don't, the thing is, I guess he really hasn't known anything else in the big leagues. I mean, he. When you think of it, like a year ago, when they like they opened in April, they opened Yankee Stadium. The year before that, him and his name Castro, they were sitting in uh, sitting in Dunedin, waiting to be assigned to Vancouver until uh, waiting for it to start in June. He was coming off the Tommy John. So, do you think um, the fact that Osuna doesn't want to start uh, probably has a lot to do with the fact that, uh, as a younger guy, I'm sure it can be uh, tough in the majors to uh, to try and stay focused every single day when you're not playing. And the fact that being this closer, he does get an opportunity to go out there and play every single day, and he gets to really be in the zone and focus. Do you think that for a guy at 20 years old that that might be something that's a little bit more exciting to him as opposed to having to get ready every five days? Or do you think that has anything to do with it at all? No, that could be it. That could be it. I'm not really, like I said, I'm not really sure why he prefers it. But uh, that, that's I know there's guys that, like Paul Quantrill was like that. He wanted to be, mm -hmm. he wanted to contribute every day as opposed to the, pitching and then waiting for four days, you know. He was a starter his first year here, and then he went back to the bullpen, and uh, he'd pitch like eight days out of ten. He was a rubber-arm guy. But uh, I think, I think, I don't, I'm not really sure what will happen when Osuna's agent has a talk with him and says, look, this is where the money is, kiddo. Uh, this is the path we're going down, you know. It, it'll all depend on what they what they come up with between now and opening day, you know, or now and uh, reporting day, I guess, Dunedin.
Speaking of young bucks, have you got a chance to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at all? No, I haven't seen him. No, no, I haven't seen him. They, uh, I guess he's playing third base, and uh, they're very happy with his progress. Yeah, he's a big kid. He's, they say he's bigger than Vladdy, his dad already. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's first or second time there he said he that he spoke. He said that somebody asked how good he was, and he said, uh, compared to his father, he said, oh, I'm better than him. <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty confident at, at age. age 16. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm sure his dad got a good laugh out of that one, too. <laughs> yeah. I was going to play a little game here with you, Bob, when we were mentioning earlier about uh, sure. 0 to 10. So we'll run through a list of free agents and 10 being the highest of them possibly coming to Toronto and 0 being not a chance at all. And you can feel free to add a line as to why or why not. So we're going to start with uh, some starting pitchers here. Some of them are probably zeros, but I'm going to throw them out there anyways. Uh, Zach Greinke. I think that's probably about a 2. David Price? Uh, probably about a 1. Wow. Uh, I think uh, they aren't going to spend the money. Mm. I'd be very surprised. Uh, like I said earlier, that that's the one I would uh, go and get. They spent all that. They made, Like we said earlier, they made all that money, so why not go and spend some? Where do you think Price ends up? Somewhere like the Giants or the Dodgers? Um, or even well, the Cubs? I thought all along he'd go with the Cubs and be with Madden. See, he's not a He's a Tennessee kid. He's not a, He's not a, like a yeah. West Coast guy or an East Coast guy. So I guess... Uh, the choice of the day nowadays for American League pitchers is to go to the National League, so their numbers are better, and they only face eight hitters uh, for the first two times through the order. So, uh, and he can hit, too, since he likes to hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that rules out Jordan Zimmerman, eh? I haven't heard I haven't heard the price numbers on him. Uh, excuse me, the amount uh, on him. I don't know. I don't know uh, how uh, how high uh, he'd be. He's, he'd certainly be less than Grinky or um, or uh, price. So they said he was asking for anywhere from eighteen to twenty-two million. Uh, they didn't say term though. Yeah, they, I didn't get any report on a yeah. term, but they said see, that's the, see, the thing is the thing is. Estrada might be a little bit high, you know, 13, yeah. but the term is good. It's two years. So I remember when Gillick was here, Gillick used to say, if you sign a pitcher for three years, you're lucky to get two years out of him, and you should be happy to get two years out of him. So, I mean, like like three or four years ago there when uh, the Angels signed uh, uh, Pujols for 10 years and Fielder for, uh, went to Texas for 10 years, like what do you expect to get out of that? Yeah. Like seven, six? I don't know. So what was Gillick, what did he mean by if you well, get two years meant, out of it? He meant that the guys, that they're going to break down, they're going to get hurt, just like uh, Eric Hansen did, although that wasn't him. Uh, just like Cottle broke down, trying to think. Uh, just, you know, the the thing is they're like thoroughbred racehorses, and they, a lot of two-year-old thoroughbred racehorses, and <laughs> a lot of them make it to the three-year-old season. A lot of them miss time because they, cause they're uh, on the – Disabled list or spending time with a blacksmith, you know. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I got three other pitchers that I'd ask you about. Um, an old one that they used to always link to the Jays was uh, Jeff Samarja. Uh, yeah, I'd say about a week ago I might have said a six or a seven, but now I think I'd say about a four, maybe. How come the interest is lulled down? Uh, I heard they didn't like him. So. <laughs> wow. Who, who in particular didn't like him? Uh, some people with the Blue Jays. Now that was I don't know if Shapiro likes him. That's. That was uh, the old people in the old regime, you know. Like, I don't know if there's some people still there, but I don't know if, uh, like, who, who has the final say. I think I know who has the final say, but I don't know if Shapiro has <laughs> opinion. What about a guy like Doug Fister, kind of a bounce-back guy? Shapiro always was kind of fond of him and his analytics when he was in Detroit. Yeah, that, that guy would probably be, uh, I think we're going to give the highest mark there. That would probably a uh, six, I guess. 
Six, okay. And I guess the guy like uh, Ibukuma would be probably on the low end as well. Yeah, I don't old, know. Uh, injured. I don't know. Uh, I mean, two years ago he was outstanding. I remember he pitched against Toronto, and I think it was I think he pitched eight scoreless out there. I was out there for the. It was the night I flew out the night they played that nineteen inning game against Detroit. Yep. And I was finished. I uh, I wrote about uh, Jose Abreu, and I finished. And I saw Toronto was in, you know, with a three-hour time difference. And uh, so I remember phoning the phoning the Sky Dome and asking uh, Mike, our other guy. I said, "So how was your day?" And uh, it was only the seventeenth, and I was done. <laughs> <laughs> was that Rutsy? Yeah, yeah. I was just teasing him. And hey, this is the last season. Are eh? you retired? Yeah, he was walking around. Uh, he was done as soon as Toronto was done, so when it got to 2 nothing Texas, he was walking around holding up one. You know, my magic number is one. I've only got one more loss, and then I'm done. And then, So then they won, and then he, so he's walking around holding up uh, four, and then it was three and two. And yeah, he was, he, he's, he's a good fellow. He, uh, he's going to golf and uh, tour the world with his wife. Good for him. What about the bullpen here? What about a guy like uh, Antonio Bastardo, a lefty? Keelick had him for a little while. Yep, yeah. Kind of expensive? They certainly have a need there, uh, the bullpen. I mean, uh, loop was not... The loop this year was not the loop of the past two years or three years. And uh, Cecil was uh, a failure as a, as, a, as a closer, but uh, what, he finished 31 or 32 or 33 uh, scoreless outings? And, you know, they... They really missed him when he when yeah. he picked off Napoli, and uh, he, then he got over and he uh, tore his calf. So yeah, he was their best relief pitcher from yeah. July on, I'd say. Yeah. What do you? He had 26 in the third scoreless. I think he threw consecutively. Yeah. Yeah. Osuna, Osuna ran a, a, you know, if you look up the home runs the first three months or four months, and then the last two months, you know. What about a guy like Mark Lowe? You think he'll come back? I know he's a, a comedian in the locker room. I was told. Yeah, he is. They they think he's uh, he's out of their price range. That's that's uh, the last really? time I heard his name. That was that was in Kansas City, I think. Did they say how much he was in the command? No, they didn't. They didn't say. Uh, they uh, but they, here's a guy. He was on a split contract. He's the guy that gave up the home run to David Freeze in St. Louis yep. when he was with <laughs> Texas and uh, shuttled around. And then you know last year he started out at Tacoma and he didn't get. Excuse me, called up the big leagues till, uh, I don't know, May 5th or something. Yeah, it was a while, and then he ended up, they said he was going to lose his job to Danny Farker and a couple other guys out there in Seattle. Yeah. What about in the infield? I know people are saying they might have a need at first base. Um, any shot a guy like Chris Davis, you even think Crush Davis is worth them throwing a contract at? I think he's going to want too much. I've, I heard they want to eventually transition Bautista to first base. Uh, I don't know about that. He's only got the one year left for sure, so... Uh... I mean, I mean, he could play there, but uh, I like Davis as a player. I think he would uh, he would be a big addition if you got enough if you had enough money. Once you solve the the pitching, and the thing about Davis, he's represented by Boris, which I think Boris uh, been a no no for the Jays. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a no no for the Jays under Beeston, and I think arguably Boris represented two of the greatest. Blue Jays ever and Delgado and Alomar and they fired him. They both fired him. So uh, I don't. Th- I think he had Bill Risley and then I don't think he's had anybody since Alomar's first year. And uh, 
he had the one kid that they drafted the one year and uh, oh Paxton yeah you Paxton and they didn't they didn't sign him so I mean I don't even know why they go near the guy you know when they 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 knew they knew they knew at the All Star game who uh, the year before it was who who had Paxton so what about a guy what about a guy like Justin Morneau you think he would come to Toronto oh he'd come to Toronto in a heartbeat yep he'd uh, he'd pay his own flight yep what do you think the chances are of them offering him if you had to go zero to ten how what would you say. Maybe like a five. Well, I think I'd rather have him than Smoke. Yeah, I agree. I think he's a better defender too. Yeah, and and Carnacion is not a good defender. Uh, Even Colabello, he's not really a first baseman. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to be. Uh, and Carnacion doesn't want to be. Well, let me think. Colabello is right-handed. Morneau is left-handed. Yeah, that'll yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. Because the only other lefty they have is Matt Haig and uh, the Hanshing Tigers or whatever in Japan. They offered him a contract. Yeah. Apparently, they're close to getting him. Any any truth to that, or is that just the? I saw that on Yahoo. They reported that. Uh, you, I hadn't heard that one. Cleve, you're ahead of me on the on the. You got me on the Mississauga <laughs> North and the Hanshin Tigers. Yeah, that's all the names I was going to ask you about. That I couldn't. Is there anybody else you could think of? Or anybody that you'd go after? Or I could s- see them. You know, just like they'll like it doesn't matter what the organization is like. Uh, whether the guy leaves Detroit and goes to Philly or the guy, uh, well, I saw it the other day, DePoto, DePoto left the Angels, went to Seattle, they made a trade with the Angels. I can see, I'll bet you they, either his first, second, or third trade is with Cleveland to get some kid that he likes and the other guys don't like. I wish it was Corey Kluber, but it won't be. Uh, no, I don't think it will. <laughs> is that, well, Carrasco is being thrown around a lot. Well, uh, that was that was a story. Uh, that was a good story. Uh, I think it was about five days before the. I found out that they Cleveland said no to Pompey Norris, and I forget who the third one was, Hoffman. So the point was, if they were to offer those three guys for Carrasco, they would offer them to other teams, and that's exactly what happened. They trade. Well, they didn't trade Pompey, but they traded two of the three. That was the indication that they were they were certainly going to go for it. But I I don't know why I don't know why uh, why would the Blue Jays or sorry why would Alex Anthopoulos and Beeston uh, sell a farm if like I'm sure uh, Anthopoulos thought he was coming back on like Shapiro wasn't hired till August 31st and the trades were made in July you know like you said earlier yeah. that, that other story. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I'll try and dig it up for you and send you the link because uh, when I read that, I was like, it doesn't make any sense because they were also implying that Anthopolis might have been a lame duck. But Shaparo didn't really take over until the end of August, like you were saying. Well, how could he be a lame duck if he traded for Price? And <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't, quack, quack. It didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah. That kind of came out when um, the whole scolding report came out. What would you make of that? Scolding report? When they said Shaparo scolded Anthopolis. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's something to that. I don't know if he's... No, I don't know if... I think scolding is a little strong, but uh, I, that's accurate from what I've heard, that he didn't like the price trade, yeah, and he didn't like... Uh, yeah, that that's accurate that there was some friction from day one, yeah, and I think it was about September 5th in a meeting, but I... Uh, I was told scolding is uh, too strong a term, but there was there was they, they didn't hit it off. Obviously, they didn't hit it off, or the guy wouldn't have left ten million on the table. You know. Yeah, I heard they had philosophical differences where. Uh, yeah. Shaparo likes to kind of build and sign guys long term within the organization, and Topolis is kind of we're just going to go out there and get guys and win no matter what it takes. Well, that was the case last year, you know. Yeah, because he built up all this 
prospect depth that they've had. That wasn't just an accident. I mean, that was years of him yeah. getting these guys. You know, you remember they had those, like, they trade for, or they claim Miguel Olivo and then let him go three days later or something. Yeah. <laughs> and they get the draft pick. And then uh, who else they did? There was, like, three guys, three extra picks they got so, uh, Nate wants to play a little game here with you, a little funny game he says he got. It's just a little funny game. Uh, so, I'm going to give you two guys their names, and I'm going to describe what they look like, and you got to tell me, on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, how accurate it is. You're going to give me two names? Yep, two names. And tell gonna, me what they look like. Right. And like Just a funny, funny way of what they look like, and then you got to tell me how accurate it is from 1 to 10. Okay. Okay. So the first name is Terry Collins. Terry Collins looks like a guest character on Golden Girls that shows up to take Blanche <laughs> on a date. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then the second one is Bartolo Colon looks like the last Mohican who ate the second last Mohican. <laughs> I think Bartolo wins with a nine, and Terry Collins would be about an eight. I think I saw him on that show with Betty White. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got anything else you want to ask, Bob? No, it's, <laughs> no, it's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, Bob, it's been... I, I, I can't so thank much. you enough. Yeah, I learned so much just in this last half hour that we had. So there's nothing else you guys want to ask, Bob? No, Bob? we're good, we're good. Okay. Thanks a lot, Bob, for taking the time. It's much appreciated, and uh, we hope to have you on at some point soon. And All right, boys. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.